and welcome to this episode of Modern Health with Dr. Jane. Today, I have a very special guest on the show and a good friend, past personal training client of mine. I'm really excited to share with you what she has to offer. Today, I want to welcome Julie Shipley Strickland to the show. She's a senior wealth advisor and a senior insurance advisor right here in Calgary, Alberta. Now, you may be wondering, what is a wealth advisor doing on a modern health podcast? Let me explain. When I look at people's health, I take a holistic approach, meaning I don't treat the symptoms, I look for the cause of the symptoms, and I look at the whole person. I also look beyond what the physical, mental, and emotional health of that person is sitting in front of me. Why? Because we are complex beings. One of my mentors said it best, in order to feel happy and fulfilled in life, we need to master these four things, our health, our wealth, our purpose, and our relationships. These four pillars in life are super important for our overall well-being. And let me tell you that 90% of my patients are stressed out. The more stressed out you are, the worse your health will be. And 90% of my patients are stressed out about finances. It doesn't matter if you have money or if you don't have money. It is something that we can all relate to, especially with all of the changes that we have experienced in our world and our society over the last two years. So today, I invited Julie on the podcast to talk about finances, how we can set ourselves up for success, why so many of us struggle with finances, and most importantly, what we can do about it. I can't wait for you to hear everything that Julie has to offer. So without further ado, let's get right in. Hi, Julie. I'm so excited to welcome you um, and talk about a very interesting topic that most people are not looking to talk about when they're logging on to Modern Health. But um, before I type into why I've invited you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself with your own words first, and then we're going to dive right in. Hi, Jane. Thank you. So excited <laughs> to be on here with you. Um, introduce myself. So my name is Julie Shipley Strickland. Um, I'm a senior wealth advisor with Wellington Altus Private Wealth. Um, and I've been in the industry, the finance and insurance side of the industry um, for just over 10 years. Uh, I run my own practice. Um, you know, we're affiliated with Wellington, but I run my own practice. Uh, love being an entrepreneur. Um, mom to two beautiful babies. Um, my daughter's turning 11 um, and my son's seven. So love the role of mom. Um, and then married to my amazing husband. Um, Curtis, who's just awesome support system and just a great guy. Um, and you have a couple puppies. <laughs> right? I do. Well, actually, I should let you in on this because last time we spoke, you wouldn't have known this. Lady, my my geriatric pup who was 16 passed away right before Christmas. Oh, and no. I've kept it very quiet because I'm just going through my own little journey. She was present in my life for so many beautiful big things. Um, and she went peacefully and everything is good, but we miss her. Um, and then we have a puppy named Bentley, although he's 60 pounds. So I don't know if that defines as a puppy, um, whereas lady, lady was nine pounds. Um, and Bentley's awesome. He's doing, he's fitting into the family great and just a lot of fun. So yeah, it's nice to have a, still a pup in the house and yeah. we're starting to get asked when we're getting another one. So stay tuned on the puppy 
<laughs> at our no, house. Thank you. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't realize um, it's a hard oh, thing to lose the little, the pets who are, like you said, they're part of your life for some really big events, right? Like you have yeah. these memories that are associated with them. And um, yeah. And she, you know, she was 16 when she passed, but we got her 12 years ago. So, you know, birth of both our children, you know, multiple homes, my dad passing away, big expansion in business. Like she was just this steady little beautiful creature that would greet me every day. And just, you know, so you just, you miss that. Right. And she would sit beside me on the couch and yeah. So you know, pets are, are hugely important, I think, for not only our mental health, but just our overall health. So navigating that journey, but thank you. Yes. And, you know, I didn't kind of give an intro of um, how we met and, you know, how you signed up to come to me to do some gymnastics. And then uh, we just like really hit it off. Like I loved yeah. our energy together. We would still get the workout in, but it was so amazing to chat about your expertise and then obviously you would come to me for my expertise to just tell you how to move and do um do this that and the other but as i kind of expanded into this fertility world and as i said in the intro there's i look at people's health from a very holistic approach obviously but i always like to get this bird eye bird's eye view because it's not just your physical health and not even your physical mental or emotional but like what is impacting those that your health and the other three components that I look at or not even look at, but get people to think about is your wealth, your finances. Cause if you don't know how to manage money or how to run, do anything like money runs the world. And so that's, you know, one of the reasons that you're on. And then we have your purpose, your mission and kind of your relationships. But like I said, the wealth portion is what really interesting to me to learn about and I can't tell you how many of my patients, probably 80 to 90% of my patients, when I say, what are the things that stress you out? And those finances is the top thing. And so I kind of wanted to unpack that because do you see that? When do people come to you? What, you know, what's your kind of even initial thought when I say that? Yeah. Isn't that one, I think that number's bang on, Mm -hmm. Um, but two, isn't that interesting? Yes. It's, it's, um, as I mentioned, I've been in my business over 10 years and I would say that that's consistent, right? There's nothing, and, and sure, we can touch on world events and different things that happen that might um, elevate people's idea of anxiety or stress around their finances and their wealth, um, but it is something that is so consistent. It is, you know, in, in couples and in, in singles and in partnerships and in business partnerships and personal, it's always the number one factor that I hear about. Um, and I, I think one, there's a, there's a bit of a lack of education around it, right? Yes. So one, I mean, where's our grade 12 wealth course? I don't know. Anybody, <laughs> right? Like, where's our even taxes course, <laughs> right? Like, where is our, this is a checking account. This is how you build a budget. You know, this is how much your mortgage should be of your budget or your rent or your living expenses, right? Like, where is, the education to empower everyone around this discussion, right? And then us as entrepreneurs, right? You and I as entrepreneurs, we start our business and we go, you know, and in my background, my majors in finance and my minors in accounting, like you can't get more numbers oriented. And still I'm like, huh, how much of rent is supposed to be? Like, what's the proper budget for me to build? And then you're Googling and then you're, 
right? So where is the education around people starting businesses and how they should be setting up their finances and what goals they should be attaining? So I think there's so many layers, one at that personal layer of how we just aren't educated and it's not in our school system. And then two, if you run a business, you know, where's the education there and where are the resources there? And I will say, you know, in the 10 years I've been in my business, we've evolved for sure, hundred percent. There's much more resources available now than there was 10 years ago. But, you know, I'm still looking at the education system and sitting back and going, you know, what are we doing to ensure that the next generation is educated and doesn't have these same questions and concerns? And where can you go for resources? Yeah. And I think it's so powerful that you said like 90% of people. So that tells me that it's not like, it's not us, but you you know what I'm, there's something missing in the system that if 90% of people feel stressed out or out of control with our finances. And even when you're talking about how much should I be spending on my mortgage or rent or whatever, according to how much I'm making, like, I, you know, I'm not in the numbers world, so I don't think like that. And I didn't think like that. So it was something that information that I had to reach out for, but it's, you just, you said it so beautifully. It's like, yeah, well, how do we get there? How do we start? How do we start like having conversations like this, obviously? Yeah. I think, I think having conversations around it and normalizing it is a a huge thing. And I think when people when, when prospects or clients come and we sit down, there's not always, um, it, it's really interesting to me because there's not always a panic or an anxiety around the finances. There's also the flip side where people say, I want to be empowered by this. I want to be educated. I want to understand this. And I don't want to trade my own stock. I don't want to build my retirement portfolio. Julie, that's your job, right? That's not what they're looking for, but they're looking for a bit of a guidance, right? In and around you know, some basic education that they can sit back and say, okay, I feel confident that I have some general idea of what my portfolio looks like, what my budget, and, you know, we'll get into this, but I don't love the word budget. I feel like it's very restrictive. I feel like in, in, in our spending and our saving, we should have a balance, right? And so there's a general flow to that instead of some strict regiment we're supposed to be on, because, I mean, if we go to strict regiment, look at the health world, you know, we all know that a strict diet doesn't work right? It's more about lifestyle. It's more about having some flow and some fluidity in what we're doing in order to be able to um, stick to it. Yes, absolutely. And And it sounds like there's something to stick to. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. Like, I, I think, I think getting that education, and then using that education to, to empower yourself to make decisions that you're confident and comfortable with. Right. And whatever that spectrum is, like anything, you know, when I came to you for gymnastics, I wanted to know some of the background. That's my type of personality. I like to understand, like, why are you making me do this exercise? What's it doing for me? Right. There's other people that you'll just be like, okay, do, uh, you know, 10 beat swings. And people will be like, okay, 10 beat swings. Right. They just want to be told what to do. Yep. Um, and so I think there should be a freedom along that spectrum with the knowledge to be able to take that to whatever level you're comfortable with. Yes, I love that. So there's two things that come because I I have heard you speak about budgeting in a very different way, which intrigues me. And I want to share that. But before we even get into that, is do you find that there is like a belief system or a limiting belief system around finances of how much people can make, how much they should be able to make, or even 
you know, kind of coming from a family that grew up with not a lot of money, that there's this belief system when you have money, you're a bad person or that you're greedy or, you know, what are some of the common belief systems that you have around that people come to you or that you have heard just being in the field for 10 years? Yeah. So I think you've, you've nailed one of the biggest ones for sure. Family life and upbringing is huge. So ideas around money, comfort around money. Um, you know, are we allowed to talk about it? Are we not? Cause remember a lot of our parents' generation didn't talk about money. It was very taboo. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole perspective of, you know, if I go back to like my grandparents, so my grandparents were born in the, in the late twenties, early thirties, my dad's mom did her master's degree in the sixties. Now this was unheard of. There were three women in her class. Um, <laughs> she had one option. It was called the masters of home economics. So she learned how to cook, clean, sew, um, garden. Now my grandma was a very smart woman. She had her own trading account and put it under a male's name in the seventies because oh my, my great grandpa, um, told her to do that. Um, and my grandma traded stock. Like this woman was smart and intelligent and loved numbers and loved money. And that was the master's degree that she was allowed to be accepted to. So like That's our world has evolved for hugely, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, her impact on my dad, her son versus my mom's side of the family where they, you know, really lived at the poverty line for most of my mom's childhood. Um, you know, six kids in eight years, right? So traditional Catholic family, um, you know, <laughs> Oh my God. I can't even, I like now being like, in the field, I was like, how did you recover from that? I mean, I know you didn't, but I don't know how you didn't. did it. You know, and I share this openly, like my grandmother, God rest her soul. She passed away a couple of years ago, but she was a, an alcoholic. Um, because I don't, I think she really, you know, talk about mental health and health. Right. And then you throw in the wealth, like you started this conversation off with that really set quite a spiral down in their, in their family. Right. Um, and there was different you know, different ways of raising kids, very strong, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say physical abuse, but very firm in the guidelines and the parameters. Um, and my grandmother had no way out on that yeah. side of the family, right? Whereas my other grandmother fully educated, that sort of thing. So really an interesting paradigm for my parents to come together, which obviously brought in very different family beliefs and upbringing for me and for my brothers. Right? So I think one that is huge in our mindset around our wealth, and I think it's huge around a lot of things, but I think it really affects our wealth is our upbringing for sure. Um, I think two is our education systems. And I know we touched on this, but the amount of education, you know, someone like me that just naturally gravitates towards finance and accounting and is comfortable with numbers towards someone like you that says, you know what, my passion is health. And that's where I really want to spend. So you really have to reach out and like this whole numbers side, where's your education? Where's your access to education? And where's something easy, right? Um, and so, I mean, for me, that, that was one of the reasons I, I wrote my course and we can talk about that more, but it was just, there was no, even when I looked up ease of access and financial education, I, I couldn't find it. It was Investopedia. And I, I didn't, I mean, being in the industry, <laughs> I barely understood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Investopedia. Um, it's for investments by Expedia. Yes. Have um, you heard? Have you heard of it? Don't worry. You won't understand 50% of what's written there. Cause it's every time I look at it, I have to reread it a few times. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's this cool website. 
Um, so I think those two really shape. Um, and then third, bring in society, right? So yeah. bring in what we're being told on, told on social media, on the six o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news, wherever you get your news, um, the paper. I mean, there's so much talk, especially over everything the past two years of like, what is mainstream media actually feeding to us? Right. And yes. how much of it are we going to take in and, and how much of it is fear or control or, you know, all these discussions that have been flowing over the past couple of years. So I think the third thing is society's pressures and society's information that constantly gets thrown at us. Um, yeah. It's would not easy. Put, yeah. I'm like, would you put the because what I've seen is this generation that wants to have the wealth, but they don't actually have the wealth yet. And because mm. you're seeing on social media, like the fancy cars and the trips and this, that it has created of this like debt society, right? Like I live in debt, but I look like I don't. Is that, would you say that that's also part of it contributing to it? I think there's a or few things. I mean, different? we're very, I mean, there is that, there is that for sure. That exists yeah. for sure. There's also this comfort with debt, right? I mean, if you look at, let's say for you and I, our parents would have bought their first home late 70s, early 80s, right? And if you think what their mortgage amount was relative to a percentage of their income, and then we go and, and we've all heard the story where, you know, first of all, they're walking uphill both ways against the wind. It's a magical thing that always happened uh, yes. to and from school, um, yes. let alone the 18 to 22% interest rates that they're paying on their mortgage. I mean, I, we've all heard this story. So I mean, it's, it's always an interesting phenomenon because I'm like, really, the wind shifted every day. Huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> So, I and snowed inches every single day, every, just every day. never stopped it's snowing. Incredible <laughs> from October to May every year. Yes. Incredible. Um, we've all heard these stories, but we've also all heard about these insane interest rates. And so what, what our mortgage, which is often one of our largest expenses relative to our take-home income was a percentage. And I, I don't have the stats, but I mean, no, I remember my my dad telling me that his first townhome was $30,000 and he was making $30,000 a year, right? Yep. And then you look at housing now. And I think my dad said he bought that in 1980. Yep. So granted, you know, 40-ish years later, I don't think, you know, very few people are buying a home with a mortgage that is the exact same as their annual income. Like that's just not our reality anymore. So if we even just look at that, um, it's far from reality. I feel like now when you say that like that, I'm like, oh man, I don't know anybody who is, let's say it's a $600,000 home, which is not a crazy home to be in anymore. No. Right. Those people are not making $600,000 a year. Like they're making no. a 10th of that. Right. Like together, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more, but that's, yeah. that's mind blowing. So it's very different, right? We're living in a yes. very different. And also you throw in social media, right? You throw in, and even though we all know that social media isn't real and it shows everyone in their best light and position and filters. I mean, every time I'm going to record a reel, I'm like, what new filter do we got over there? Those look good. What do we got? You know? I love you. <laughs> my, my Me too. Super... I do the same thing. I'm like, what filter can hide these bags under my yeah, eyes? Because I didn't have time to put on makeup this morning. Right? Yeah. So this, this, it ties back into, you know, also ties into our wealth, but it also ties into our health. Right. Okay. I mean, everyone looks fit and you can, you can Photoshop apps on people. I learned this the other day. I was like, Oh, I mean, I don't obviously Crazy, yeah. spend enough time in these, in these realms. Well, the fact that um, people think 
having abs is healthy. Like that's a whole other problem, but we're not even, we don't have enough time. We're going to stick to the time. We don't wear out of time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think there's so much that can get misconstrued in society, in our upbringing with lack of education. Um, And so I think that's something that we all need to be aware of. I think that awareness really needs to be created there. Yeah, because that lack of education and the society and then, you know, everything else that's going on that that leaves you feeling pretty powerless, right? Powerless and hopeless. And then you're, that's what I feel like is happening now with finances for most people. They're just like, ugh, like I give up, it's whatever. You know, I don't which even know not, where to start. Which is not true. Yeah, you don't know where to start. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the budgeting, which I know, like, I love the way that you talk about budgeting. I've heard you say it multiple times in your social media. Will you please tell us how you talk about budgeting and why you yeah. don't like that word? <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it makes me cringe. I feel like budgeting is very restrictive, right? Yes. So it's this set rule and you got to follow this set amount and Gosh, you know, you can't deviate Gosh forbid from it. You spent oh an extra goodness. dollar. <laughs> you spend an extra dollar and like, oh, I just simply felt like that latte today because I was up all night with two kids and I have a meeting to attend. And like, oh gosh, I spent an extra five dollars. Like I just don't think it takes into account a human element, right? And in so much of our society that is not human, right? That is, you know, pressured or forced or, you know, I need to act or look this way. I think a human element to our finances is essential. And so I'm not saying, you know, you know, we're making it rain with money all the time on our, on our, on our, like, this is not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that when you're, when you're building in and looking at your finances, achieve, strive for, to achieve a balance, right? And yes. so a balance in the visual I give my clients or my perspective is a bowling alley you know, the good old bowling alley. And you know, you've got the gutters where everyone knows that there's gutters on the other side. But when you take a child to the bowling alley, they can bring up gutter rails. And there's these nice little rails and nobody can go in the gutter, right? It's real nice for the four-year-olds, the six-year-olds, or, you know, my age group as well. Yes. Yeah. If you (laughs) haven't been bowling it, (laughs) it really makes you look phenomenal. And so I always picture this is that you're trying to keep your finances within some sort of flow or balance, right? You're trying to keep them between the two gutter rails, right? And so I think in achieving that, you've got some flexibility and you're bringing in a human element to your finances. And so, sure, do I believe that saving up for a vacation, saving up for something special, do I believe that that should all be a priority and be done first before you spend? Yeah, of course. There's some old adage rules that are important to keep in mind. Um, you know, do I believe that, you know, whatever your, you should be saving at least 10 to 20 to 30% of your income, depending on your priorities, when you want to, you know, slow down and or retirement. Um, absolutely. But do I also believe that, you know, I had a father who passed, who got diagnosed at 56, passed away at 58. In my mind, he got two thirds of his life and he had saved beautifully but was always waiting for retirement to take that trip or do that. And so this idea of balance around, you know, doing some of what you want to do during your working years and not waiting for your retirement and everything is really been instilled in me because my dad did everything, you know, quote unquote, right. Right. He worked out, he was healthy, he ate properly. Um, You know, all the things that we typically preach for a long life, um, And he had also saved for retirement because he was in a similar business Mm -hmm. to me. So I think it's about achieving this balance. 
right? And I think there's a flow to that. It doesn't have to be rigid and strict. It can have some flexibility and a human element built into that. I love that, Julie. And, you know, thank you for sharing that story. I think that's so powerful. And I think that's probably why you are the way that you are with your clients and how you plan. Because, you know, again, I've seen you post, it's like, you still need to live today. You still need yeah. to create experiences today because you never know if tomorrow is going to come or what tomorrow will bring. And I think that's even more so true now, especially through the pandemic and now with, you know, other world war events, if you will, yeah. that, you know, we're anxious, we're anxious. So we're, we don't really know what life holds. So that's uh, thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I had a couple of questions that came up for me personally. Now, when we talking about this kind of creating flow within your budget, what is it, what are the outlines really? Because the question that we always get, and even that I get stuck saying is like, I can't afford it. No, I can't mm -hmm. afford it. I should be making more money. I need to make more money. Mm -hmm. Where like, is that really true? Or is it potentially like, sure, you should be making more money, but you're actually living a lifestyle that's not supporting what you already are making. And so that's a really harsh reality to sit into as well. When, you know, how can we maximize some of our returns or, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have lots of things to say just from what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think one living within your means is something that we need to keep at the forefront. Right. And so what does that actually mean? Right. And yes. I think it goes back to this idea of balance. So, Again, you're up all night with the kids and you've got a meeting. We're gonna have coffee today, but maybe this weekend we'll cook. We'll, we'll break out the pizza ovens, Jane, and yes. we'll uh, have an at-home pizza night. Jane yes. and I both have pizza ovens. That took forever to arrive. Just, did yours yeah. came on? Did yours finally come It, okay, it came I like they... three months later, but it came, yeah. Okay, good. I um, thought you were gonna pull the plug on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think it's all about that balance, right? So you've had the latte and you've, you know, maybe eaten out for lunch that day because you're running behind, but on the weekend you decide instead of ordering pizza, you have a family pizza night, which crushes the goal of family time and also keeps the, you know, pocketbook in check. So you're really achieving that balance within your life. Okay. So I think that's one way of really, um, you know, and that's just an example that, that, you know, I, we sometimes do, cause I love making pizzas with my kids. It's hilarious. Um, and seeing what they put on them. Um, but I yes, think it's yeah. also a really great way of, of just setting out an example of, of achieving that balance. I think in terms of, um, you know, making more money and that sort of thing, one, make sure you're being paid fairly. Right. And so this is an interesting conversation I have with clients is that, you know, some clients will just simply accept what they're getting offered, um, even if they're not feeling valued in their role. So I think, you know, in these times, ask for what you'd like. The worst comes to worst is it's going to be no. And then you decide, you know, do I want to stay here? Am I getting, you know, how's the culture? How's my time management? How's my stress level? How's my hybrid working either from home, part and part at the office, that sort of thing. And maybe there's some opportunity there for value in other places. Right. Yep. So I think that's got to pay into it. And then I think you pay into it, play into it is what I meant to say. <laughs> um, and then I think the third thing is saving for a later date or, you know, a rainy day or opportunities. And so I think having 
you know, that opportunity fund sitting there. Um, and I like to look at it both ways. Rainy day in case something happens and you need access to cash, the furnace goes unexpectedly, the fridge goes, these sorts of things. Opportunity, you know, a friend of yours is starting a business and you'd really like the opportunity to invest in their business because you'd really like to support them. You believe in what they're doing, right? So opportunity, but also rainy day fund, I think needs to be part of your financial well-being and your financial um, security. And then I think going beyond that is saving for retirement. And I'm not going to go into this hugely because I know, you know, it's yeah. not our focus for today, but I think saving for retirement, retirement looks very different than it did 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yes. I have very few clients that are, you know, hanging up the skates or the gloves or whatever acronym we want to use. <laughs> whatever and, you want to call them. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it and no more work. I have yeah. so many clients that are working part-time, volunteering, you know, staying within their business on a consulting basis. Um, so the, the idea of fully retiring isn't, um, I would say, as popular as it was. Um, so what is retirement? It's just financial freedom. It's whatever that financial freedom is to you, right? And so I think preparing for that and looking and, and really um, blue skying what that looks like, I think is really important as well to take some of that financial stress off. Yeah. And I remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I love, you said a couple of things that were just so beautiful. Like make sure you're being paid fairly. The mm -hmm. whole, that's like filling into a whole other pillar of, you know, kind of purpose and fulfillment for work, but then mm -hmm. also your worth. Right. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many people are like, well, I just like, I just want a job that's going to pay me and then blah. And it's like, yeah, but what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, not like as an exchange for money, but just like, what do you want to do? <laughs> how do you want to your spend life? your time? Yeah. Yeah. How do you want to spend your time? That's what you're doing. You're spending time for money. You're trading time for money. But the one thing that we know we can't ever get back <laughs> is time, right? You can always make more money back. Um, yeah. So I, I love that you said that. And that was, that's really beautiful. My, my next kind of, I guess, question was how do you have like a percentage that you recommend for people? Like, okay, if you make this much money a year, this is how much should be going for rent or mortgage or whatever. This is how much should be spent on this. You know, I know you touched a little bit on like 10 to 20% uh, savings. Do you have a, a formula that you break down for people? Yeah. So I think, I think it goes back to your goals, right? So what are you trying to accomplish? Um, you know, and I, I think this comes back to um, some people get very worried or anxious about finances, but when we sit down, they don't even, they don't even have clarity on their goals. And yes. so if there's no clarity, we're going to be muddled on the pathway to get to those goals. Right. Um, and if there's no goals, then what are we trying to achieve? Right? So if we peel those layers back, um, you know, are you trying to pay off your primary residence or are you someone that is going to retire early at 50 or 55 sell your primary residence, and then maybe move into a condo and go travel part of the year. So really paying off your primary residence isn't a priority. So then are we putting a larger percentage down on our home? No, we might, you know, save more because you need more cash to be able to go traveling down the road, right? Yeah. So that's an example of like, we really need to see where your goals are at, and then we can allocate percentages. As a general, you know, rule, 
type yes. thing. We and look sorry, at- I love that you're like general and there's a little bit of an eye roll, but, yeah. and I love the eye roll because it's the same thing for when I'm training my clients. It's like, what's your goal? And that yeah. was the train, the same when I was doing personal training, but it's the same with like, when I'm coaching my people and my health, like, what is your goal? Do you want to lose 10 pounds or you want to lose 80 pounds? Cause that's going to be yeah. very different in terms of what we're going to do, right? Like, Oh, you want more energy. Why do you want more energy? What are you going to do with that energy? Yeah. And then yeah. you can really guide and tell people where the priorities need to be, but sure. There's always general and I'm doing quotations, things that you can do. Like you need to eat well and you need to sleep and you know, you need to drink your water and you need to exercise. So that's the general that I'm looking for your finances. Um, because I like now talking to you, I see how, like, I see why people, you don't want to just give generic advice because it's just crappy mm -hmm. advice, right? It like, is. Yeah, this it's is just crap. <laughs> and it could be totally irrelevant to your situation. Yes. Right? Like, yes. I could be like, okay, your mortgage has to be X. Well, I don't know your situation. Maybe you're yes. the type that's really ambitious. You don't like um, sitting with any debt. And I've got a couple of clients like this. They are paying down their mortgage despite the fact that interest rates have been super low for 10 years. They're yeah. paying, paying, paying down their mortgage because that will help them sleep at night. That is a very different mentality than someone who sits back and goes, you know what? My mortgage is at 3% and I can make 15 in the stock market. So I'm going to put all my money in the stock market and just pay the minimum on my mortgage. There's two very different goals, two very sure. different mindsets. So one person is paying down their mortgage. I don't know, 50% of their salary is going to their mortgage. The other person's putting five. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so and very different outcomes, say, right? Because they have different goals. So they're going to have very different outcomes. Exactly. So it's very difficult for me to say, okay, you know, your, yeah. your living expenses should be X, your savings should be Y, your that sort of thing. Right. There's also, you know what, I get asked tons about children and saving for children. And so this is always an interesting one. Yes. Some parents want to pay for the kids undergrad their posts, their, their, their masters. And, you know, they do a PhD. We're paying for that too. Okay. There's other parents who sit back and go, I'm not paying anything. I've been paying for them for 18 years. I'm not paying a thing. They're going to get. It's so funny because my sister is the like, I'll pay for his PhD. And she's like, you need to start funds for your daughter. I was like, I'm not starting anything. Yeah, they can I didn't have to. And like that might change, but I just, it's so funny because it, it is just two different personalities, you yeah, know? Exactly. And so I sit down with you and I go, Jane, you should pro probably start saving like, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month for each child. And your sister is like, oh, I'll save 300. And you're sitting there going, I'm not saving $3. This is not yes, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So again, I'll figure so out how she can make her own money. Yeah. Put that in the stock market and make it go. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. But that comes full circle yes. to what are your goals? Mm -hmm. Right. And so for you, it might be, and I'm, I'm completely putting words in your mouth. I'm not saying these are Jane's goals. Yes, Nobody yeah, yeah, thinks yeah. these are Jane's goals, but if for you, it might be, Hey, you know what? I'd like to save in my TFSA and within my company, and I'll figure out the kid's education later. Your sister yes. might say, you know, I'm going to forego the TFSA, but I'm going to save for my kids now. Nothing, yep. nothing's wrong. Nothing's bad. They're both saving. It's just different circumstances and different sets of beliefs. So that's where I struggle with giving a generic advice without knowing someone's goals. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's the same for you in, in the health world, right? Until sure. you know someone's goals, how can you give yep. them appropriate advice? Right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. No, I love it. That's, that's it. And, um, 
one of the things that you mentioned before, and this was a really mind blowing thing. And I can't remember how many years ago for me now, but like your goal for retirement, it's very much changing now, but really one of the questions that I got asked, is like, what's your number? Like, what's mm. the number that you write? I know so you're good. laughing. Can you so tell good. me a little bit more? Cause this what's was your number? to me, I was like, yeah, like I want to have a million dollars and I'm going to be like super well off. And then the guy did broke it down. He's like, that's a $30,000 salary a year. If you yeah. live for this many years and it's less, if you live for that many and my jaw dropped yeah. and I was like, oh my God, I had not like, that was my first realization of how little I knew about finances and what I was doing. Can you please speak to that? Like That was like seven years ago now. So I'm better. Okay? So good, Jen. Just so FYI. Good. So good. One, point, one million. So good. Um, yes. First of all, when, when asking your number, we're not trying to pick you up. It's not your phone number. Yes. No. So I've had this joke made to me so many times. They're like, yes. Julie, what's your number? And I'm like, Hmm, funny. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the number, there is a general rule for the number. So this is yeah. fun. The withdrawal rate in my industry that we tend to look at is 5%. Okay. okay. So if you have, you know, a million dollars saved, you're withdrawing 50%, $50,000 a year. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then after taxes, you're probably down in and around that 30, 35, depending on other things going on. So that's probably where the, the gentleman got it for you. Okay. Yes. So the withdrawal rate of 5% is something that over time is easy to maintain with um, a, a steady risk. So we're not going high risk. We're not going super low risk. We're going somewhere in between. Okay. Yes. And again, risk is very subjective. What one yes. person finds is high, another person can find is medium. But 5% rate of return has been something that our industry has, has really stuck to. There's articles now coming out that saying that, you know, there's no way we can keep up with a 5% withdrawal rate. It's going to have to be something like three or four. But for now, I think if we stick with the five, that mentality of, you know, okay, if I have a million dollars saved, I can take out 50,000. I then need to pay tax on that. Okay. Yeah. So that's something we look at for your number. But this is really interesting. I was at a female entrepreneur's retreat last week. We worked, uh, then we did some workshops, uh, you know, maybe had a little bit of wine in between. It was lovely. <laughs> and this discussion came up one night. And I won't, it, obviously I'm not naming anyone or anybody's numbers, but the, the spread of numbers, I mean, if, it, if, it, if it's right to me, went from literally a million to like 25 million. Yeah. And we were seven women. And everyone had reason for why or what or how or when, but it was fascinating that you've got yes. seven female entrepreneurs in a room and the spread was at least 25 million, if not more, it was yep. huge. And so everyone has a different number and they've got reasons for it and they've got a comfort around it. And I think it circles back to the beginning of our talk, you know, where, yes. um, you know, the gal our belief that, system. <laughs> yeah. And the gal had said the highest number grew up almost on the poverty line. Yeah. Right. So that, that spread of like, you know, for her, it's security. Is she ever going to spend it? She's like, no, but she goes, maybe I can give it to people that grew up like me. So there was really some beautiful reasoning behind her drive and her rationale. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think everyone's number is different, but I think the the thing you can keep in mind for now, because who knows if it changes, but it's about a 5% withdrawal rate is what we look at. 
Yeah. And I mean, now my husband and I look at it like it's just a game, but like you're, yeah, it is you're either winning or you're losing. <laughs> if you're losing the game, time. it doesn't feel very good. <laughs> so you got to figure out how to get on the other side of the game, if you will, and actually create some momentum and some winning. So um, mm-hmm. this is where I want to tie into, tell me about what you have created over the last, I don't know mm-hmm. how many months it has been because I think you've made something really beautiful and I want to share it with the audience and give them the opportunity oh, thank you. to learn. Yeah. So I started oh, just over a year ago, I started really looking into financial literacy options for my clients. So I started looking into, you know, where can they get a one-on-one on financial understanding and how can I put this together for clients so that our first meeting is targeting their goals, what drives them, what excites clients, what where they want to be in 5, 10, 15 years, and not educating on like, this is why you need an RSP and this is what it stands for. And this is how a TFSA fits into your portfolio. Yes, okay? yeah, yeah. Insert really, yawn here. <laughs> exactly. One, yes. yawning. Two, my meetings were like two hours long. And mm-hmm. it's like an information overload for people. And really, yes. I wanted to get to the meat and potatoes of goals and dreams. That's, that's where we make the magic happen. Not... Yeah. Your TFSA is a tax-free savings account. It's not, right? So when I looked for these resources, there was nothing. And and the stuff I did find either was very, very expensive, so not going to help the masses, um, to a lot of it was American-based. So, I mean, they've got different. They've got IRAs and 401ks. It's a different lingo. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're taxed differently. Um, and and, and um, their highest tax rate's different. They're, there's just a lot different. Um, so I found it irrelevant to kind of Canadian clients. And so I decided to write a financial literacy course. And, you know, when you decide to do something, Jane, you don't always realize <laughs> how much is involved, but you're very passionate about it. So oh, you do you it anyways, right, Jane? <laughs> I have right, like Jane? 17 courses that I'm like, okay, just finish this one and then start one the next time. one. Because yeah. it is a lot of work and you want to do your research and you want to do a good job, right? Like somebody 100%. like yourself and we're passionate about not only education, but like doing things well which yeah. is why we got along and it's like, Hey, I don't want to just learn this toaster bar. Show me how to do it. So it looks effortless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I want to look like I'm flying on that toaster yeah, bar. Yes, okay? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so when I did it, I, I, and I really wanted it accessible for people. So I didn't want it to be a, a crazy price and I wanted accessibility in terms of time. Cause like yep. you said, we don't get time back. Right. Yep. So my course is called the prosperity playbook by wealth with Julie. Um, Cause that's my handle on Instagram. And I really focused, we did, six modules. So the first module is all around definitions because you hear these words like dividends and capital gains and index. What, what do these mean? Again, they mean nothing to me. They mean nothing. So we're back to investopedia. All right. And then you get this long complicated (laughs) example and you're sitting there going, well, that was a waste of my time. Right. So everyone's frustrated. So I put in what I call just basic language around these definitions for understanding. And I tested them on friends and on, I tested a couple of my kids, just so we were clear. So we're always so good because the 10 year old crushed it. So we're going to feel good about this. The second module I did was all around financial confidence and financial mindset. And, you know, where do we need to be to achieve that financial confidence? What are the pillars to achieve that? What does it look like? What does it do for us? Right. So we really dug into that. We got an assessment in there just to see where you're at and then where you want to be. So that was a really, really beautiful chapter to write because it was really getting into my clients um, and really asking them, you know, what has helped them along that journey. Um, 
module three and four are touching on investments and insurance. Um, so kind of explaining to you all the rules around investments, why we invest in certain areas, how you know my industry operates around those two areas, um, and then why you need certain things in place versus others. Um, and then chapter five was for my business owners. So I did one module just on, on business owning. Um, and whether that's a small side hustle and you know, you've got a beautiful little business on, on Etsy or that sort of thing, or whether it's your main passion project, we kind of touch on a whole bunch of things in that module. And then module six is just a soft one to end out with. So it is, um, as I mentioned, my grandma and my, my dad were big into the numbers world. And so they had these beautiful old adages they always used to say. And so I kind of debunk some of these myths you know, what's the rule of 72, you know, do I still save 10% of my income? Where does that leave me these days? That kind of thing. So we end up nicely just because I figured it was a little information heavy and some, you know, party facts sure. might be nice to know at the end. <laughs> yes. when we do your personality parties. too, just throw in some jazz in there. Cause you are, yeah. you know, I find that it's very intriguing. Um, because I had no idea, obviously, what you did. And then as we got to know each other, and that's a, probably a whole other topic, but like, you're in a very male dominant world. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. And like, just being this unicorn of a lady, if you will, like you have oh, this beautiful so blonde hair and so um, charismatic. And so I, I love that because, you know, we're, we're going to have the links in the show notes uh, and in the nurturing email, the email that we send out with a with a podcast because what I'm hearing is you're solving a really big problem for people like we said at the beginning there's no education so mm -hmm. here you go you can have yeah. six modules for what a couple hundred bucks I'm assuming? yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. I, that was my whole thing was to make it accessible so yes. you can work on one module at a time you could crush the whole course out with you know in an evening you can two go times back. speed you know yeah <laughs> you can you can go two times speed that investment chapter she's long Yes. Um, but the rest are very reasonable. Uh, you can break it up. You can stop. You can play. You can go back and reference stuff. So I really wanted to make it accessible financially, but also time-wise for everyone. Um, and the five out of the six modules are under 30 minutes. Like they are quick, concise information there for you. So you can get what you need out of it. Um, yeah. So that was my goal in it. And we launched it, uh, yeah, mid-February this year. So Amazing. it's been, it's been great since. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to sharing that. And again, like just wealth of information. I was taking so many notes and, you know, obviously no pun intended, but as I said at the beginning, you know, we have these kind of four pillars to our life and, um, and I think I can't remember who I got that. There's many people who've said that, but Jade Teta, the way that he said, it's like, you got to figure out your health. You have to understand your body. This is your vessel that you live in. You have to understand how to make money and understand that it's a game and how to create mm -hmm. a, a game that you're winning. You know, you have to have some purpose or mission or something that you're doing in life that drives you. And you have to learn how to build relationships because let's face it, you're on this planet with other people. If you don't know how to relate to them, it's going to be a, a long ride. <laughs> I love so, that. Yes. I love that. That's so beautifully said to me. Those four pillars are essential. I love that, Jane. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad. And that's why, you know, I, I invited you. And if, can you like, just like two minutes before we get to the final five, do you find it intimidating being in this men's world, being in the, or like, do you thrive on that energy? Cause it like, from the outside perspective, it looks like you're just like, you're killing it. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. You know, that's an interesting question because 
I would say for the first eight to eight and a half years of my career, I really um, did some of the did some of the things we do. But you know, I played small. I didn't give my voice to a lot of things. Um, I really stayed within my my wheelhouse. I didn't have anything on social media. I didn't express my ideas. I didn't do any of that. And I think part of it was my own, for sure. Course, um, yeah. And part of it was what I thought was expected, right? My industry yes. is, um, for lack of a better word, it, it can be a little boring, can be pretty dry, yes. can be a little stuffy. Um, and so I thought, you know, this, like, you know, I, I like my fashion and I like, you know, like this, this woman who comes out of here, I was just like, oh, that's not going to be accepted in that industry. Um, and I really reached a bit of a breaking point um, a couple of years ago in 2019. Um, and a colleague of mine, wonderful woman, recommended me to this coach. And I've been working with that coach since. And I think Amazing. what I've realized is it's like almost full circle, Jane. It's like, no, actually the industry needs a change and yes. needs some dynamic. I'm very bad with this word, dynamicism to it. Like we need a bit of, we can't have this dry, boring industry, then who's gonna wanna get educated in? Who's gonna wanna make their financial uh, well-being a priority? But yes. if you make it fun and you make it interesting and you make education um, accessible and easy and you make the discussions more about goals and dreams than, you know, let's pick this stock. I'm not saying that, that picking that stock is not important, but I'm saying it's part of a bigger picture. Yes. as opposed to that being the focal point. And so I think, you know, I'm seeing it full circle because the clients that I work with and that are coming to me now want that, right? Oh, yeah. And so the, the, the connection is really strong and, you know, it really feels like a team as opposed to, you know, me telling my clients what to do. It's really a collaborative experience and I love that. So yes. I would definitely say that it's more recent for me and it, one, it feels really good. And yep. two, it's amazing how many people were out there that wanted that and needed that. And I didn't know about, yes. right? So kind and of I, So what I love to hear, because obviously I didn't know this part of the story, is that you had a mentor, you had a yeah. coach yeah. that you invested into because that's, you know, I have a hard time. Like I, we get business mentorship. I have, you know, I still have clients or uh, mentors that help me work and figure out my health and get that. Uh, bigger bird's eye, whether it's my mental health or physical health or whatever. And that mentorship could be so powerful when you invest mm -hmm. into yourself to create this whole brand, brand new you, basically is what yeah. I'm hearing. Because I didn't know you before that. I've only known you since that. Yeah. And, and I think for me, it was something that was in me already. I just didn't have yes. the comfort and or the confidence and or the acceptance to be able to let that out. Right. Yes. And I think for me, I mean, coaching is not a cheap endeavor for sure. Um, no. She's also worth every, every dollar and I adore my for coach, sure, yeah. but um, it was really, you nailed it. It was really investing in myself, yeah. right? The other change I think that I made, and this was easier during the pandemic, I would say yes. it's one of the pros is that I really focused on sleep. Oh, and nice. you mentioned that to me when we were training together and I've heard it from a few other people, but you get sleep and you are a whole different person. Yes. And that's not a me or you thing. That's a human thing. Yeah, that's and like a human biology thing. Yeah, it's a human biology thing. Like there's yeah, you can't outwork that. When people are like, <laughs> no. I just need six hours. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you think you do. Yeah. yeah, and you're telling yeah. yourself you do. And as you know, the mind is a very powerful thing, but we see it in children and yes. we see it in animals, right? Is that when yes. they're tired, they sleep. 
and sure there's all the thing of like they get overtired okay let's let's go with this there's a reason that it's called cat naps because yes cats nap <laughs> during the day and so do dogs and I birds and all day i don't know right don't worry <laughs> all bentley's, day today <laughs> bentley's doing the same right yes. like, so there is this thing with sleep that really i don't think and as you know i've, I've been a very healthy proponent I, like i did quite a bit of work in nutrition i work out lots but if you don't have that sleep component yeah it's not game over game yeah. over so i think for me those two changes and the sleep was easier during the pandemic because you <laughs> couldn't really you go anywhere go. <laughs> where are you gonna go nowhere where are you gonna go? sleep what are you gonna do <laughs> might as well go to bed it's nine o'clock right and so it can also be depression but <laughs> sometimes but sometimes it's okay <laughs> yeah exactly so i yes. think prioritizing just investing in yourself and whatever yes. the way that looks like, whether that's a workout that you're comfortable with, whether that's eating healthy, whether that's, you know, prioritizing your sleep, whether that's, you know, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Is investing in yourself. It's, I love that. So like, I'm fascinated with like wealth and even wealthy people and like truly wealthy people that have mm -hmm. been able to like Grant Cardone, the self-made billionaire. I don't know if you've heard or followed him and he's like huge and real, uh, uh, real, um, God, what's the word? Real estate. Yes, just real estate, uh, real estate investments. And he, um, when, when he asked, somebody asked him like, Hey, what if you have under a hundred thousand dollars? Like, what should you invest into? And he's like, invest into yourself until you have figured out your wealth. Mm -hmm. And it was like, just mind blowing to me. Cause you're Beautiful. like, you think that a hundred thousand dollars is some sort of money and you're trying to invest it and create this. And it's like, if you truly want to create financial freedom or wealth or whatever, continue to invest into yourself because you never mm -hmm. know. And that's, you know, sometimes you come across a coach that's not may maybe necessarily the greatest. And then you're like, well, I invested and it didn't work. And it's like, yeah, well, just like if you went to a personal trainer, that wasn't great. You would just go and try another personal trainer. It's not mm -hmm. like you wouldn't. So it's, I think it's the same thing here for anything. Like, if you had a bad financial advisor, right? Like somebody who yeah. steered you the wrong way, that doesn't mean you should write it all off. You should find somebody who is going to ask you about your goals, about your vision, about your dreams. Like those are really um, key points to know when it comes to health, uh, to wealth, because that is what we're tying it to, right? Like, what am I, yeah. what do I want to do with my life or with my yeah, time? I couldn't agree with that more. That makes so much sense to me. I love that. Awesome. Okay, yeah. so are you ready for these final five questions yeah. that I do at I mean, the I'm end pumped. of the interview? They yeah. are one word or one sentence. So you're trying to make them these, you know, quick fire questions. Okay. Here we go. What is the best advice about financial health or finances that you have ever received? Pay yourself first. Okay. What is the worst advice about finances you have ever received? That would take us until next decade. <laughs> Do you have one particularly bad? <laughs> uh, and that you hear many people, many clients being given? Uh, I mean, the, 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 one of the ones that drives me crazy quite often is that is when entrepreneurs assume that they, can, they should only take dividends. And again, this goes back to your individual situation, but the assumption that dividends are all you should take because you pay less tax is completely inaccurate. Okay. Perfect. So that one drives me nuts. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> um, what is your own kind of personal health biohack that you swear by right now? Sleep and a, lots of water. Okay. I was like, I you kind of already answered that sleep. Yes. Sleep and lots of water and 
and you started me on this, prebiotics and probiotics. Oh, very nice. That's, it took the, me, that's the latest. It took me four different types to try, but I've now found one and game changer. Amazing. Good. You mm-hmm. just like, you feel much better. Yeah. Feel much better. Um, just all around more rested, more energy, more hydrated. Like everything's just working better within my body. Amazing. That's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your purpose uh, slash mission right now? Personally or professionally? Um, I mean, you could, I, I would do the professional one. <laughs> let's Profe- keep it professional. <laughs> let's keep, I don't know what the personal could be, but yes, let's stick with professional. <laughs> Dana, I love it. Um, my professional um, purpose, mission, kind of vision um, is to empower my clients through heart-led conversations. And so that is really important to me because I crave connection with clients Um, but I want to empower them. And so do that through education um, and through planning. So planning is your goals, your dreams, and those conversations. And then education is all about your finances and how they can work for you. Amazing. I love that. Okay. Last one. If there was one thing that you could tell everyone to do and they had to do it, what would it be? Is it my profession again? Yes, truly. Always profession. <laughs> this is always profession now. Truly keep it on the straight and narrow. Yes. Oh, um, I think I'd go back to what I opened with. Pay yourself first. Pay Save yourself first. for yourself first. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Julie, yeah. thank you so much for being here and taking the time. I know you have a super busy schedule. Um, it was so amazing to connect with you. I just like, this was so much amazing information that I know my audience is really going to enjoy. And most of my people are around, you know, that 30 to 45 uh, to 35 mark where finances are something that you start to really think about. So um, I hope that they reach out and I hope that they uh, take on the course because it's, uh, it's beautifully done and you're such a great educator. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me part of this. This was awesome. And I loved this conversation with you. So good. good.